saying you got something for me Something you call love but confess You've been a messin' where you shouldn't have been a messin' And now someone else is getting all your best These boots are made for walking And that's just what they Hey, everybody. It's Taylor. It's Craig. That song was such a fun song. Did you not love it? You're probably wondering, like, why are we listening to Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walking? But it is my theme for this week. I think it's your theme for life because your boots were made for walking. All of them. All of them. Or sitting. (laughs) Or crossing my legs. With With a cocktail. The theme of this whole episode is just revenge and power and people you don't want to mess with because they're going to get back with you or get back at you. They may get back with you. I don't know. You know, makeup sex is always good. So I don't know what their scenario was, but what I'm here to tell you is we have a great interview with Allison Angram and she is a little crazy brat. It was on Little House in the Prairie, and we love to hate her. That's why everybody tuned in, because we were like, what is she going to get into next? So we have that interview coming up in a little bit. But um, to continue our little theme with kind of rebels in the workforce is one of my favorites. (laughs) Sorry, that was funny. Rebels in the workforce. I like it. I like it. All right, Greg, let's talk about our good friend, Dolly Parton. I wish I I was good friends with her. I say she's our good friend because I feel like we talk about her all the time. Well, she is my godmother. I feel like my mother would have given me to Dolly Parton is what I know would have happened in my Miley Cyrus. Yes. And then I'd be sisters with Miley and you. So one of my favorite songs by Dolly. Nine to five. So let's hear it. good song greg working nine to five i don't think those hours exist anymore it's more like work six to eight p.m six a.m to eight p.m because mm-hmm. nobody ever was working like let's bring back the good old days of working nine to five we had a lunch break and then your smoke break and your water cooler break those ladies in that movie, though, they were pretty vengeful against their boss, which I loved. They were all like plotting these little little moments to get rid of him in a playful way. But good actresses, great song. She went on to win many an accolades for that one. And it really just showed women to be a little bit more empowering in the workforce. So, well, let's move into the next song that, you know, is going to get people up and up and roaring is the nights the lights went out i can't even say it but it's the night the lights went out the lights went out in georgia yes but this time it's with vicky lawrence from 1972 so here we go 
So this is sad. I actually didn't realize this was a Vicki Lawrence song. I thought it was Reba McIntyre until well, no. until you told me. Well, no, I mean it's it's fun when people remake a song and they sometimes make it even better. But Vicky actually had this on her. It was like a number one chart for her, which put her, I think, on the map. She was on Mama's Family, which was hysterical with a lot of great people from Betty White and onward were on that. And um, a lot of people just didn't know that she had a singing career, just like um, what's his name? That other old woman with red hair that's Warren Beatty's Warren Beatty's sister. Shirley MacLaine, she had albums too. So they all kind of did that. And anyways, I just thought this was a great song and it's all about just, uh, I think she wanted to kill her husband. So I think that's a good anthem in that. She's trying to figure out how to get rid of him. Don't we all at some point in time? Yeah, absolutely. Yours more than some. Oh, stop. You love Eric. I you do love, love I do love that little boy. Listen, let's go into our interview with the most villainous little girl in uh on the most wholesome show, Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> little House on the Prairie was such a wholesome show, and then you throw like this Well, they threw her in. Why a little munchkin? And the bunch to spice up Little House on the Prairie. Because that's what I think of when I think of Little House on the Prairie is spice. <laughs> well, Allison served at playing Nellie Olson. So let's listen to her interview. Um, welcome to the show. We are so grateful to have you here. Miss Allison Arngrim, she is, as you well know, she played the iconic Nellie Olson on Little House on the Prairie, among amazing other things that she's done from stage work to her one woman show to her book. We're here to talk to her about all of those things. So welcome, Allison Arngrim. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. So exciting. You know, I watched that show as everybody did growing up and um, your one one of my favorite things was your hair. I mean, could that not have been more spot on? <laughs> it was, I was like, yeah, okay. It, it was, was so insane. They started with my hair. They did start curling my hair. I was 12 and had to sleep in curlers. Oh my gosh. Sprayed down with Pantene setting lotion, like by the gallon. <laughs> and, and then arrive at like 4am and then they torture me. And, and curling irons, the 1970s on a TV set, they didn't, it wasn't like the lovely thermostatically controlled things we have now that we burn you. <laughs> yeah. This was a little like oven they plugged in and just stuck a, these metal rods in oh, from like God. the 1800s. So, wow. Horrifying. They would test to see if they were hot enough by running a ribbon through them. It would press the <laughs> Even <ribbon>. if it burned. <laughs> yeah. And if it picked up the wrong kind, it melted. Like, oops, it was synthetic. Like, whoops. Uh, Sorry about that. It's ready now. <laughs> like, explain. <laughs> Um, it was horrifying. So I did that for a couple of months, burning my hair, and I was like this, and it still wouldn't stay. But my hair will not hold a curl. So like in the humidity out in Simi Valley, it's just, it was a disaster. So I said, we're making a wig. So they brought in this guy Ziggy, Ziggy Geico. He said the wig maker to the stars. I think he's still alive. He's like ninety wow. or something. This guy they apparently made all the wigs for like Paramount Studios, all the movies, all the shows. And he seemed like he was 100 then. And Ziggy comes to her and they they make this custom fitted thing to my head with real hair and Swedish virgin hair. And it was fitted to my I mean, oh my it was God. really elaborate, very expensive. And it looked great. It was the most 
uncomfortable thing humanly possible to wear. That's and it looks right. fabulous. So what, like, what do you do? It's my hair stayed perfect going down a hill in a wheelchair, mud fights rolling around <laughs> on the ground. I, I accept it. It hurt like I'll get it. So what are you going to do? You look good. It was suffer, it was suffer for beauty day, suffer basically. For beauty. That's our mantra yeah. for life, suffer for beauty. <laughs> yep. I'm curious now. Um, you weren't even meant to play that role, right? You went in to cast for other another role or a couple. That's so crazy. When I, if, yeah. I first came in, I read for the part of Laura, I read for the part of Mary, but I think everyone did. I, I have said before that I believe when they decided to find Laura Ingalls, it was like the search for Scarlett O'Hara for eight-year-olds. Yeah. They saw everybody. And so I was like, yeah, no way. I'm just, this is so not me. I'm not doing this. <laughs> and then they made the pilot, and I went, ah, well, I didn't get those. It's fine. And then they called back, and then, then it sold, and I said, well, now we're making the series, and Nellie's in the series. And I didn't I hadn't read the books. I was clueless. I didn't know what no, Nellie was mm-hmm. Nothing. I got cold, cold reading. I got there. I had, like, no idea. And then, of course, I get the sides, and I'm like, I literally turned to my father and said, this this is not normal. And he said, well, hmm. I said, this, this girl, this girl's a total bitch. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I read it for him, and he died laughing and said, whatever you do, don't change anything. Just go and just read it like that. Just read it like that. And he said, don't even look at it. I just go and read it. And I did, and they had the same reaction. They were in hysterics, and I was um, hired that day. Wow. I don't know what that says about me as a person, but they're just <laughs> <laughs> <And> a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're the, the worst person we've seen all day, yes. <laughs> You've got the part. So are you still yeah. good friends with all these girls? I mean, they had such a great cast. I mean, do you all still hang out or visit Yeah, somebody asked me, said, how many uh, uh, people from the show would you say you have on speed dial? It's 14. Wow. We do events here. There's an event right right now as I speak in Alabama that I am amazingly not going to because I had a couple of events this week and I had to stay in town for but a whole gaggle of them are going to Alabama. And they've been texting me since yesterday, like about their flights and who they're flying with and what they're, they're, they're going to be texting me all weekend. What do we do? It's like, I'm like queen of the autograph shows and like, just like helping everybody. So I'm going to hear from all of them all weekend. You know, she's sitting next to me. She's touching my stuff, mom. Um, but yeah, no, we're all still friends. Melissa Gilbert and I have remained friends the whole time. And I just did, she just did a whole video on pie making a couple weeks mm. ago and had me in as her guest pie maker. <laughs> it was totally insane and random and fabulous. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we still do stuff together and the whole cast, we still talk to. There's even a couple of people who live 10, 15 miles away, like in my neighborhood and stuff. Uh, Some people have moved around the country, but the, the gaggle of us are in L.A. see each other regularly. I think that's so cool. I mean, that really is like a testimony to like the quality of the cast and, you know, the casting directors really knew what they were doing when they compiled this group of, you know, young talent. It's very cool. Well, it is. And and it's very unusual. I mean, as you no doubt know, most casts from TV shows don't really like each other that much. (laughs) You've seen the attempts at reunions and it's like, well, we couldn't get so-and-so. And and when they do have it, they're all staring at each other. It's like, no, actually we haven't spoken since the show. (laughs) You haven't spoken 65 years. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, people, they end the show, and everyone goes, see ya, and they, they most of the time they never talk to each other again. 
very rare, or maybe one or two people make friends. They're friends. Here are the TV shows where people liked each other. Okay, Gilligan's Island. Everyone on Gilligan's Island loved each other so much, I swear I thought they were going to look like a house together and like start a commune. They would have <laughs> that would have been a good TV show, yeah. That would be a great reality mm-hmm. show now. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it? They all adored each other. It was crazy. They were all friends to the very, very end. And so you had that gang. And then um, the Waltons. The Waltons, yeah. Mm-hmm. Super yeah. chummy. In fact, the event in Alabama right now is a Waltons little house, like, it's like one of those crossover episodes. So we have the Waltons and the Little House gang are going. And then Little House in the Prairie. The majority of people in the cast are still friends. And even the ones who aren't super buddy-buddy, we can get them on the phone. Go, hey, you want to come do this thing? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so everyone's still speaking. And then what's your other MASH? People from MASH all like each other. Mm. Other than that. <laughs> the small little niche of people. Yeah, small pocket. Yeah. A small pocket. Well, listen, I had a question going forward, like having done that and been so branded as kind of the little bratty bitch and that everyone just, you kind of, the reason I loved it is because you want that, you watch the villain, you know, that is why you watch a show. I think your part was the juiciest, even though there was, you know, other people that brought flavor, but I mean, I want to see what the girl's getting into, but then how do you get out of that as a young actress and hop into another role. I know you could, you did like Fantasy Island and you did The Love Boat, which I loved all those, Richaro and everybody is amazing. But oh how do you then say, hey, I don't want to be the bitch. I want to be taken a little bit more seriously. Very difficult because, you know, back then, I mean, there's always been a whole group of casting directors who don't have imagination. It's rare you get really great casting directors. Like we had a little house who had imagination. But it, the running joke among actors is you practically have to go in full costumes like they like can't see anyone as. Um, so it was difficult. And I think it was very hard back then for people to believe that a 12-year-old girl was actually acting. And mm-hmm. people were like, well, you, were you just like that in real life? I'm like, yeah, they kept me in a cage like Hannibal Lecter and let me out for scenes. <laughs> the hell? Of course, I was right. really like that. How would they have gotten anything done if I was actually like that all day? It'd be right. exhausting. I mean, I used to come home and my people would ask my mother, and she go, she comes home, she's in a great mood, she's exhausted, takes a nap, she's gotten it all out of her system. Um, yes. So it was really weird because people, there were people who were like genuinely scared of me. There's still people who are scared of me. I still meet people, and they're like, "You're so nice." I'm like, <laughs> would I be like that all day? Um, so it was really weird, and. There were people who couldn't believe. We also had a weird typecasting problem with Little House that, that we all ran up against, which is totally crazy. I swear they think we really lived in the 1800s. It, <laughs> it was very difficult for people to cross over to modern time shows. I remember my, my agent literally talking to a show, and they said, well, this, this show takes place in modern times. He said, she's not Pioneer Barbie. She's not <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was really weird. But then, of course, as an adult, I and now I like the villain roles. So now someone calls me and says, "Okay, this character is absolutely awful." I'm like, "Oh God, when do we start?" Mm-hmm. Um, I have played several nice people. I, I do. I have actually played several terribly nice people, both on stage and in things. And then my friends are always sort of amazed, like, "Well, you're really nice in that." <laughs> but um, I just I just played a terrible person. I just did a play in North Carolina, and I was vile, just vile. So yeah. Well, and you wrote a book, which was yeah. New York New York best selling book. Um, 
I think that was amazing. What was the Confessions of a Prairie Bitch? I think Confessions of a Prairie Bitch and, and how I survived <laughs> being Nellie Olson and learned to love being hated because it's true. So, I bet yeah. you that was almost like therapy for you, just to throw it all down on paper and let everyone just eat it up, right? It was. It was great because, and I, I was always being asked all these questions, like, well, what about this? What about that? And, and like, people asked the same question. And I thought, what if I answered them all? What if I just said, okay, here's everything everyone is freaking asked me. Let's mm. actually answer every single, just put it all in one thing. And, but, yeah, what was your life like before? What was your life like after? Here you go. And just, like, spatter it all out. And, um it it really worked. People liked it. They wanted to know, and I told them, and, and they were happy. They were very happy. So I did. I made the New York Times bestseller list. It was completely great. And plus, if and you ever do awesome. use junkets, you can take it with you, and you can sign it, and people can buy it, which we love. Oh, yeah. Don't you know. Your, I always have. Go on to one of your websites. I know I just mm-hmm. popped upon the one. Was it Bonnet Thread? Bonnet Heads. Bonnet Heads. Com. And you I've can got get a, a lot of great stuff on there. And I got a square site. It's bonnet heads on the square site, and you can buy the book and photos and bonnets and whatever the heck you want. And I do. I always have, like, at least two crates in the house. So I go to an autograph show. I got the photos laid out. I got the book, and I have, like, bonnets and aprons and, like, stuff. Yeah. And you went on to do comedy, too, which I wish you would come to Texas. I'm I'm in Texas, and Taylor's in, in Vermont, but I wish you'd make your way down here. I played... Dallas, like a hundred years ago, I did play Dallas and I was a big hit and I did both stand up in and a play in San Antonio. I like San Antonio. Mm. Where are you in Texas? I'm in Dallas, Texas. Sorry. You're in Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. I performed in Dallas. I was a big, so yeah. people in Dallas do like me. So I need yeah. to come back. Um, yeah. I had my, I was doing regular stand up and now I had a one woman show confessions and people really like it. And I have toured around and I started doing stand up just regular kind of talking to the audience when I was like 15 mm. and it evolved and now it's this whole one woman show with all true stories from my life and sight gags and video and things you know confessions of a prairie bitch well it just um, makes it really intimate for the audience they you know they've grown up knowing you and this is a way to one more layer of you know it's kind of I think they feel more in touch with that and I know a lot of Artists are doing, like, Q&As afterwards, and they're like, what, do you have any questions? And that usually doesn't work out well, but they always try it. But I think it's just one way to be closer to one of your idols, like you. Oh, I do. I do Q&A in the middle of the show. It's like the highlight. The PSO says, okay, and now we do Q&A. I have cards made up that actually say, ask Allison anything. And hand them out with little pens. And uh, about how I should show I, I make sure I collect the cards at the beginning. And about how mm-hmm. I say, okay, it's time for the question. I will answer your questions. I swear I answer your questions. And I shall. And I read them live. I maybe I peek at them like for two seconds backstage right before I go on, you know, find a couple of really choice ones. But that's it. I don't like get them hours before or come up with answers. I flip through them and go, oh, it's good, throw that in the back. But then I go out and I read them live. Some of them I haven't seen until I walk up there, and which is hilarious because some of the things people ask are just funny in and of themselves. Just right. reading the card is a riot. And then I spontaneously answer them, and it's a hoot. Sometimes something is so good, it winds up as a regular part of the act. It's like, well, that's I'm going in the show. Um, and I love doing that. I love doing that. And it's pretty good. I would say 99 Point nine percent of the time, Little House fans are generally nice. They don't ask me anything awful, but they do ask hilarious questions. They are very funny. They will ask out. They'll ask like things about the show, and then they'll ask really random, insane things, which are always fun. 
So, Allison, I have a question um, because I, I know you're a one-woman show, but I read that you actually performed to stand room, standing room only crowds in France. So, are you It is so cray-cray. I do. I go to France. Uh, pre-pandemic, I was going twice a year for like six weeks of pop, like a spring show and a fall show, and now we're starting to get back to it. We managed to sneak in the fall show in 2021, and so it looks like we didn't do a spring show this year, fall show, but it looks like we're going to manage a, uh, a show probably next year. And okay. uh, it's fabulous. It's all in French, and it was originally we based it on – uh, Patrick Lubatia's writer, we got together and we based it on my American. It took some elements of my American. Because a lot of things don't even make sense. We translate them. So like, right. oh, I can't do that. So it's like, okay, wait, this part totally makes sense in another language. Great, we can still do that one in French. No, they don't know this joke. You're like, this joke about the celebrity. They have no idea who that is. Okay, great. So we'll do this. And so we came up with this whole, like, sort of comedy review in French. And people really liked it. They went bonkers. We just packed the house. And they went berserk. Just berserk. And they even went berserk the first few times we did it when, frankly, I don't think we did it that well. And I barely spoke French. And we didn't know, like, what the hell we were doing. And people were still like, that, that's great. So I thought, my God, what if we did it right? Um, so we kind of got our act together and streamlined it and made a better show. And I actually went back to school and learned French. And now this thing kicks butt. We did like a second show, a whole new version with like more props and things. And we're just like working on more stuff. But I have like this whole extra second life thing in France. I love that. I love that. But pre-pandemic, my family and I, we would go twice a year as well. So it's very near and dear to my heart. So like maybe next time we're in France. I can yes, you must have. But yeah, no, we, we've started to sneak back in. We're like, okay, numbers are down. We got our shots. Uh, let's go. <laughs> we're like, let's see if we can't do another one. Yeah. Um, oh, every Tuesday, though, on UBN Go, Tuesday at 5 o'clock LA time, and then it's on Facebook Live, and then it becomes like a podcast um, on Stitcher and everything. I have a thing called the Allison Arnhem Show. And um, I've got Lucy Arnaz coming on next week. It's kind of like oh. I had the voice of Donald Duck last week. I get all sorts of interesting people. Never know who's going to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, so to every Tuesday, look for the Alison Arngram Show. Look for Nasty Nelly's Naughty Noel. And then it's going to be 2023. And I don't know. Back to France, probably. Back to yes. Dallas. Maybe Dallas. Yes. yes. Do it. Well, listen, you are busy. I'm exhausted just hearing your schedule. <laughs> 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 and then I have, I'm working on a cookbook, and I was like, oh, my God, stop. Oh. Yeah. And just keep doing it. Everyone loves you. And thank you so much for spending thank time you. with Taylor and I today. Thank you. Thank you so much stop. for having me. Such a pleasure. Such an honor. We're so grateful to have you. And come back and see us again. Keep us posted on what you're I doing. I shall. I shall. Thank you. Have me again. Yeah, sure. No problem. I really enjoyed talking with her. She's like, She's lived a life. Yeah, and I didn't really even know what to expect with her, but she is funny. She's making fun of what has happened in her past, and she has a lot of great philanthropic pro- you know, projects that she's involved, which which we all love about her. And think about how long her career has spanned, you know, from being a child actor to, you know, currently working now. It's pretty incredible that she's been able to keep it going all these years. It says a lot to her craft and her character. No, totally. Well, let's move on to one uh- more... We loved having you. One more rebel woman, which is Blondie. We talked about her before, but she's worth talking about again. And we're going to listen to One Way or Another. 
Oh, such a good song. Love this one. All right, Taylor, you would not know this song was about she had a stalker. I didn't know if you knew that. And this was why she wrote this song. No way. So crazy. I had a stalker, I had a stalker once. I had a stalker, too. So are we just one up in stalkers now? <laughs> you always have to one up me. I'm sorry. Your, your stalker was probably way better than mine. They wrote letters and cryptic letters to my house for months. Ooh, that's kind of creepy. I just had flowers sent to my house. Who crazy. doesn't love flowers? True, true. Anyways. Anyway, enough of that. Well, Blondie was great. We love her. She's a badass. And to wrap up this week's episode is another great country artist that had a great transition into rock also, which is Carrie Underwood. And she kind of... We love her. She's so pretty and she gets better with age and she's just cute little thing. And her song is before he cheats. So this is the way we're ending this one. You guys see you next week. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Probably slow dancing with a beach blonde tramp And she's probably getting thirsty Right now, he's probably buying her some fruity little drink Cause she can't shoot whiskey